Hello and welcome to this week's Sports Zone on Salford City Radio. I'm Rob Parkson and we're here talking all things sport in Salford. Joining the show this week, as ever, we've got Paul Whiteside from The Devil in Detail. Paul, looking forward to talking all things sport in Salford and beyond? Yes, mate, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. There's, there's plenty going on, isn't there, in the, in the world of sport and, and lots of things going on. We've had some cracking weather as well, haven't we, to, to watch the sport in. So, yeah, looking forward to it, mate. Yeah, so we'll start. Uh, with a football, uh, Paul, and uh, Raheem Sterling. Man City's Raheem Sterling was signed for Chelsea uh, for the for this season. Uh, what do you make of that signing? Yeah, I didn't see that one coming, to be honest with you, Rob. Um, you know, I didn't see that at all. I thought he was pretty settled at, at Manchester City. But uh, but no, they, they, they've, they've cashed in on him. Um, got a, got a, a decent amount for him. But just seems a strange one, really, to sell, you know, Player of his, his sort of caliber to one of your, your your rivals, really. You would expect Chelsea to be to be one of the teams that are challenging for the Premiership next season. You know they weren't that far behind last season, where they were up, they were up there in that sort of part of the table. So it just seemed a bit of a strange one. But you know you don't know what goes on. He might have wanted to move. His family might have wanted to move. You, you know you, you don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. So uh, so yeah, it, it, it does see. It, it came out of the blue to me. I mean, I don't follow football as much as you do, but I didn't see that one coming. Yeah, fifty million pound uh, is the value uh, of the transfer, Paul, and I think that's pretty good value, really, uh, in the current market. Obviously, you know, football transfers can be quite astronom- astronomical, but Raheem Sterling is an English international, and you think um, he'd be getting, you know, more? I think he'd have to sort of say we asking for more for him, but strange old world, this. I thought that to be honest with you, when I when I heard it was fifty million pounds, that's probably like a a transfer. Fee from like sort of ten or fifteen years ago now, isn't it? Compared to, to to some that you hear, um. So yeah, I was quite surprised with that. But they might have wanted to offload him. They might have struck a deal. And sometimes you know it's better to just cut your losses, isn't it? I'm not sure how long he had left on his contract. So uh, so it does seem um, like it's been rushed through rather quickly. But no, I think Chelsea have got a you know, like you said, an England international player for fifty million pounds. Is you know if you went right through the England squad, how many of those players would you get for fifty million pounds? Probably. Probably none of them, to be honest with you. So, uh, so yeah, good bit of business from them. And, you know, Manchester City are, are, are recruiting at the moment, aren't they, as well? And, and, you know, money doesn't seem to be a stumbling block for them at all, really, does it, with the amount of money that they've got? So, uh, I don't think they'd be too worried. Yeah, it's um, a good record. Well, decent goal-scoring record for Raheem Sterling. 131 appearances. Uh, sorry, 131 goals and 339 appearances for Man City. Um, he's... Sometimes he scores goals, but then he does miss ones that you expect him to score. So for me, he's not one of the best finishers of all of all time, uh, but he can cause lots of trouble for defenses. Yeah, I suppose, suppose um, regarding like ratio of chances to goals, mm. he's probably not right up there, is he? I mean, I've had people say to me before, God, he needs about five chances to convert one, so he's probably not as prolific as, as some players. And you know, if you are you know, one of those top sort of elite teams in the Premiership and, and challenging on European fronts and that. You probably need people who are a bit more prolific than him. Um, you know, it's cutthroat sometimes, as Manchester City found out in the Champions League last season when they, they couldn't really buy a goal, could they, against uh, against Real Madrid. So you, you, need, you need somebody to put the ball in the net. Don't you, you can't rely on somebody who's going to get five chances and maybe get one. So perhaps that's the way they've gone. Perhaps, you know, Pep 
want somebody who can you you know, can score sackfuls of goals. So uh, you know he might not be the answer, but there's no doubt about Raheem Sterling's a, a good player. There's no doubt about that. But uh, but yeah, perhaps Pep's just after someone with that a little bit more. Yeah, obviously Haaland could be the the player with that little bit more. Paul, you know he looks like a, a top class centre forward. He's done it in the German league, and uh, you know Man City. A lot of people, you know, this season and last season talks about Man City not having an out and out goal scorer, an out and out target man who will be the John in the spot to score the goals, and they've had to kind of adapt the style. Um, to, to, to make that um, problem go away. But bringing uh, Haaland in, um, will they, do you think they'll have to change, this, change the process that they follow and, and the tactics? Because he isn't as mobile as, let's say, Jesus, who's gone to Arsenal. No, I think with, with Haaland, I think, like you said, he could be that target man. And that man to bag the goals. He seems an out-and-out goal scorer and a finisher. And you know, Manchester City had a, a guy like that in Sergio Aguero for a number of years, didn't they? You could put the ball in the net, and, and you were guaranteed sort of 20, 25, 30 goals a season from him. And I think if you're going to challenge for the Premiership and you know European honours, you, you need a player like that in your side, don't you? The, all those top clubs have got that that in the you know salary at Liverpool. They score sackfuls of goals, and, and that's what you need. And Looking at Haaland and his record, it's going to be tough because he's not played in the, the Premiership before, has he? It's a tough league to, to play in. But I think he's got the talent and the skill to, to score 25 to 30 goals next season. I think with him, it's one of those, I think he needs to get off to a good start. I mean, the, the more games he goes without a goal, you know what it's like. People have come to Manchester United, Manchester City before and sort of big reputations and gone a couple of games without scoring. It becomes a bit of a monkey on your back, doesn't it? So... Let's hope he gets off to a good start, and I, and I think the, the goals will flow. He's very very talented. He's a strong lad as well. You know he's going to be good off the ball. I think as well. It depends who Manchester City are going to link up with him and what formation they're going to play. But I am expecting him to to hit the Premier League by storm. Yeah, and I thought as he come in, and I mean to change the process might be a problem for Manchester City. Obviously, league champions this this year, uh, beating Liverpool on the on the final day to to to, to pick to pick the the title up with the title up but having to change the tactics that have worked so well for Pep over the last few years might be his undoing obviously you talk about you know playing a Pep Guardiola all the way and do we remember the Champions League final against Chelsea where for me overthought his own processes there and, and caused the, the defeat so could this be a similar thing where Haaland comes in and he has to try and sort of match his style uh, up to Haaland's style well yeah that's right I think that happens a lot in football uh, when when certain players come into to clubs you've got to adapt it and, and change your system and, and things like that and you know Pep Guardiola's no mug is he? he's managed some of the biggest biggest clubs in, in world football hasn't he so I'm sure he's got a plan and, and he will have had that plan in place before he even made, made inquiries for Haaland so and you don't know who else Manchester City have got on the radar as well I, I don't think their recruitment is, is quite finished yet has it so um, but and you look at the squad that they've already got before they signed Haaland it's it's as good as anybody's in the, in the Premiership isn't it so they've already got a, you know a wealth of talent there and a wealth of young players in the, in the system that are coming through so you know look at Ford and the, the, the quality he possesses isn't he? He's still only very, very young. So they've got you know mouthwatering talent there at Manchester City, and I think Highland's going to be another tool to add to to Pep's sort of uh, arsenal, if you like. Let's talk about Manchester United now, uh, Paul, and the Ronaldo saga. He has come out 
last week to say he wants to leave Manchester United to basically play in the Champions League. Manchester United can't provide Champions League for him. He isn't on their trip to Thailand, uh, citing family issues for his absence. Um, so, obviously, with the pre-season tour about to start, um, it's not what Manchester United need at this stage of the season. No, we, we touched on this last week, didn't we, on the show? And it sort of rumbled on for seven days now. And I don't think there's any more nearer to, to solving the situation. I don't think he, Cristiano Ronaldo's changed his mind, as he? he still wants to play Champions League football. And it seems a shame for uh, for the new manager, you know, to, to have this sort of dilemma to deal with. On let's, I mean, I'm saying on the eve of a season, we're not quite there yet. But, you know, what we are now, we're almost in the middle of July. And it's it's not long off now, is it, before the, the, the Premiership season starts? So it's not the kind of thing you want to be dealing with coming into a new club. No, it is a problem uh, for Ten Hag because obviously Ronaldo is one of the best Manchester United players uh, of all time and definitely one of the best players in this squad. So really, he would probably want to build a squad round him to play in the uh, the Premier League. But if Ronaldo doesn't fancy it or wants to play Champions League and he you know, tries to force his way out of Manchester United, it could cause problems uh, for him and behind the scenes with the other players. Yeah, he can do, and and that's not what you want, is it? You want to get off to that good start, and we know about it in all sorts of sports. If your dressing room's not happy, it can affect people because you know psycho psychologically in football, rugby league, cricket, you name it, it, it plays a big part in sport these days, doesn't it? You've got to have a happy dressing room, and that harmony's got to be there. And you know, Cristiano Ronaldo's such a such a big figure as well, isn't he? You know, within football, it's, you've not got him happy in his changing rooms. And plus, if he was to move on and leave, I think it's a it's a big hole out of the out of the side there because you look at the the contribution he makes week in week out. It is a dilemma. It is a dilemma for for, uh, for the, the staff at Manchester United. And I said you've got new manager uh, coming in. It's it's difficult for him to deal with. It's probably his first big test at the, at the club, isn't it? So um, so yeah, it's not what they wanted on the eve of the season. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, is the fact that. Obviously, Ronaldo wants to go. Is is the the, the chance to find a replacement the thing that holding him up? Because obviously, with him wanting to go, Man United will want a centre forward to come in and take his place. And maybe Manchester United have said to Ronaldo, "Look, you know, when we find a replacement that we think you know will do a great job for us, then we'll let you go." It would be football suicide to let Ronaldo leave and not have a world class centre forward and come in as a replacement yeah and, but it's also a dangerous game to keep a player at the club that doesn't want to be there hmm. I mean with all respect to Ronaldo I think he's been around long enough and you know to know he's a professional I don't think I don't think for one minute questioning professional I don't think he's going to like not put it in for Manchester United just because he wants to leave I mean I'm sure he's a better person and a, and a better footballer than that but it's a dangerous game to, to play I mean I just think back to the, I mean, like I said before, I'm no expert on Manchester United, but you look about the whole Paul Pogba saga, and not going to compare him to Ronaldo, but it can rub off on other people into change rooms, can't it? You know what it's like, sport, and you know, you've got to have that, that cohesion and that that harmony within your change rooms, you know, to, to, to make a win inside. So I, th- I suppose, really, this should have been dealt with weeks ago. 
rather than leaving it right on on the, on the edge of a season, really. So, so yeah, like you said, it'd be it'd be daft for Manchester United to to offload Cristiano Ronaldo without having that replacement there. But sometimes in sport, you you you're forced with no other option. What would you do in Ten Hag's situation, Paul? Um, it's a difficult question that because I don't really know the relationship he's got with uh, with Cristiano Ronaldo. If it's a good relationship and. You know they're going to work together well until they come to a solution or until he finds where he's going to move on to. Then yeah, hang on to him. But if it's been a bit frosty, and I'm not saying for one minute it has been, but if it has been a bit frosty and, you, and you've got that sort of, I don't know, that conflict there, perhaps perhaps it's time to to offload. Now you don't know who's after him, I suppose, as, as well. Who's going to come in for Cristiano Ronaldo? Who's going to be able to afford his wages? Who's going to take the chance on somebody of that age? So it's all right him saying he wants to move on, but there's got to be somewhere for you for you to move to. I think that's the thing, obviously, with, with footballers, uh, Paul, that, you know, they, they have a sort of an, a value um, on themselves, but certain clubs will only pay a certain amount of money for certain people. And if, if players think they're above their own station, it limits the amount of potential clubs they have uh, to be able to be employed with. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, and a club taking on somebody like Cristiano Ronaldo will probably be looking at how long... It sounds a bit... A bit harsh this on him, but how long has he got left at the top level? I mean, players don't go on forever, do they? So if you're going to sign somebody now, you'll be looking at it in like, what we're going to get out of him? How many miles has he got left on his clock? Um, I sound a bit disrespectful saying that because he's probably still fit as a butcher's dog, isn't he? But, you know, that that's how clubs look at things. And, you know, there's not that many clubs out there who can afford players like Cristiano Ronaldo is only talking like an elite few um, that can afford those wages you know we're talking about big boys in, in Europe and things like that and I can't think of any other clubs around the world who'd, who'd pay for somebody like him you know the, the, the sort of financing football is is pretty strict really isn't it you've, you've got like your, your teams like Barcelona Real Madrid big German teams and what have you but if you're going further afield outside of Europe I can't think of anybody else who'd be able to afford his wages so, uh, so yeah he's got to be one of those big sides I would say yeah. Um, obviously, looking at other news uh, that's happening, Paul, Manchester United unveiled a new home shirt, uh, traditional red, uh, nice collar. Um, lots of fans have been racing out uh, to, to purchase that um, over the sun over the summer with the sun beating down on the backs. Is, is the sponsor called Team Viewer? Mm. Team yeah, Viewer, I see, which is I, kind I, of I like it, I saw it all uh, the Skype and... yeah, I saw teams, it. other... Yeah. Um, Meeting virtual meeting platforms are available, uh, but yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's like that. It's really surprised me, really, because you think Manchester United would have uh, sort of a, a grade A sponsor like a, a Nike or an Adidas or any other sports brand, um, you know, as a main sponsor. But you know, it's uh, it's uh, is what it is. I suppose they'll as they paid the price, so they'll they'll get the uh, they'll get the shirt sponsor. Yeah, I only asked that question because at the weekend I've been out and about and I've seen that many people with a with that red shirt on with that on the front and I did think is that Manchester United's new shirt because as you get a bit older they all seem to look the same. It's a bit like sort of rugby league shirts. So, you know, over the weekend uh, my daughter had a shirt on, a friend of mine had a shirt, and I would say which one's this season's? I can't remember which one they're playing in, but uh, but yeah, I did see lots and lots of them this weekend. So uh, they must have sold plenty of them. Yeah, uh, and because of, because they have sold plenty of them, uh, they've actually made a sign a sign in Tyler Macaria, 
has come in. He's a defender. He could play left back or right back. We've talked about Manchester United's defensive issues, uh, and he hopefully will come in and do a job. Um, he plays the, the the kind of style that Ten Hag wants to input into this Manchester United team. So it's his first uh, signing for the club. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's good to get that first signing in there, and you know, already seems to be to be making a, a stamp on the season. I think Manchester United supporters are, are looking forward with it with a lot of optimism now, aren't they, to the season start? I mean, like last season was wasn't the best one from from the standards of the club and the way they've been over the last decade, a few decades. So they'll be looking forward to it starting. You know, a clean slate. Everybody starts on nil points, don't they? And uh, you know, 38 games is a long season in the Premiership. And I think Manchester United supporters can't wait for that to start now under under a new regime and a new era. Yeah, um, talking about our other club, Salford City FC. FC they were in uh, friendly action this week. They played Warrington Rylands away from home and won seven two. Paul, great result for Salford City. Obviously, we know it's a, a pre-season friendly. It's all about getting miles in the legs. Uh, but to score seven goals away from home against anybody is a good result. Yeah, of course it is. It, it builds confidence as well, doesn't it? We just mentioned the uh, 38 games of the the Premiership. If you're going down to to League Two, where uh, Salford City, yeah, you've got 46 matches in the in the league. Massive, massive, long sort of marathon season with lots of cup games as well and things like that. And it's it's vital that you get your get your squad tested and get your squad up to speed and scoring goals and building confidence is the right way to go. Salford City have got new players coming in. They've got a new manager. You know, it's a whole sort of. Um, New regime again, isn't it? It's all for City. I and mean, we said that a few times over the last few years. I mean, managers haven't really sort of been given a lot of time there. And um, I think it's vitally important that you get, you know, a good pre-season under your belt. You, you get your combinations worked on and you're you right starting 11. And um, no, they seem to be making a good start to it. Yeah. Uh, season tickets are still available for people who want to watch Sulphur City this season. Obviously, new coach in charge. And uh, obviously, after... After last season, you know, disappointed to miss out on the playoffs, hoping for a push for playoffs this season. Because obviously, Salford fans, you know, that they've enjoyed the last few years of of success, and they want to get back to them successful ways in the next uh, few seasons. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. There's no doubt about that at all. As I said, it's going to be a tough season for them, but. Uh... You know, it's going to be an exciting one. You know, bookmakers have made them one of the favourites for the league. They've got some fantastic derby games, as we mentioned the other week. You know, Rochdale are in there and uh, Stockport County's come into the, the league as well. That's a huge derby as well. You know, with the, the crowds there getting sort of the excitement and the buzz around Edgeley Park and Stockport. So, there's going to be a really good season. That I think they're going to, you're going to see some uh, some great games. And, um, and yeah, it's, you know, they, they get a good crowd down there at Moor Lane, start filling the, the, the ground and going a bit of a run. You know, maybe not just the playoffs, maybe automatic promotion could be the target that's that's the thing that obviously we're looking for because obviously the amount that has been kind of invested in the squad and, and the club over the last uh, few years Paul it's it's a stepping stone that uh, you know the class of 92 they think that that Salford City are a, you know a possible championship club and you know if if they continue on that route and investment comes and the people of Salford you know do start to go down in larger numbers uh, then it, it might possibly obviously there's talk about a move to the AJ Bell stadium which might ha- help the attendances um, but we'll have to wait and see I suppose on that Yeah, yeah, it's all a it's sort of a work in progress really isn't it it's a, the, the future's 
unwritten, if you like, for, uh, for for Salford City. Nobody knows which way it's going to go, and you know they, they've they've got backers there, haven't they? They've got money behind them, and you want to see success, don't they? So, uh, so yeah, I think they're they're in a good place. Um, they, they've got a full season to go at now, favourites for for that lead. They just need to put it to, into practice now on, on the on the pitch, and uh, you know they've got all the resources there to to do it. So, uh, so yeah, providing you know, obviously we, we talk about the manager, they've got a new manager coming in there, a lot of experience from Manchester United. Forgive me because I, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. You'll be able to tell me, Rob. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's going to be a big season for them and a big test. But I, I think they're going to push for promotion. There's no doubt about that. Bookmakers have got them up there, and the bookmakers are very very rarely wrong. They they can see something special in that Salford City team, and I think they'll be up there doing well. Yeah, obviously, you know, with with the bookies, they they're not they're not always right, are they? But you know, is the, the new managers come in? Uh, Neil Wood and he he obviously comes from Manchester United background from the under 23s so he is used to winning so it will be interesting to see how he can adapt his style in, of management in a lower division at Salford City yeah, and don't forget, it's a totally different managerial situation to managing in, in youth football, a big side like Manchester United, and then going into to league football, managing it at Salford City. It's you know it's cutthroat in, in in League One, League Two. A lot of experienced players down there. You've got a lot of a lot of experienced managers down there, so it's a different situation. And you know it's a big test for him. You know it's your first sort of professional job at, at that level. Um, so you know, first team football at, at, at that level, it's going to be a really, really tough, uh, tough gig for him. But obviously, the people who run Salford City and the owners and the directors there have put faith in him. They they can see that he's going to do a, a good job. He's got a lot of potential, and, and let's hope he pulls it off because you know they've had some good managers there in the past of Salford City and probably not been given the time for one reason or another. And uh, I think now's the now's the time for him to make his mark. Yeah. Um, so that's all the football chat, and now let's talk uh, ice hockey, Paul. Yes, Rob. It's been uh, been a busy uh, busy old time for uh, Manchester Storm. They've re-signed a couple of players. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, Matt Ginn, the the new sort of coach, uh, has come in. He's obviously an ex-player, played in goal for Storm for a few years, and now he's uh, trying his hand trying his hand at coaching. He's busy in the transfer market. He seems to be bringing in players that he thinks will do a job uh, in 2023. And these players have used to play for Manchester Storm. Uh, one is Scott Simmons. He's he's a forward. He's quite been quite prolific over the years for for Storm uh, with. Sorry, 59 goals in 102 games uh, for the Storm. Uh, so uh, we've always talked about how Manchester Storm are like a goal scorer. Um, so hopefully he can he can find a few more goals uh, for the Storm uh, this season. And then also they brought in Cam Critchley, who's also another forward for Manchester Storm. So I think it's it's good signs that he's bringing these players in. But because obviously they were Manchester Storm players before, um, is it? Is it kind of old blood or, or coming in, Paul? Or, or do you think it's better if he would be in some new blood uh, considering the season they had last year? Uh, difficult, difficult one, that. You know, last year was a difficult season for the Storm. And, you know, we like to think, think things can get better this time. But, you know, sometimes you've got to keep faith with the players that are there and make adjustments and things like that. I think... There's no doubt new blood and new signings can sometimes give you that boost. We see that in sport all the time, whether it's a new manager that comes in or new players come in. But uh, but no, it's going to be a test. There's no doubt about that. It's going to be a test this season. But a lot of improvement, you would like to think, on and off the pitch, is going to help them. Hmm. 
and that's the kind of thing we need we need to see. Obviously, we, they've had a couple of barren seasons, Storm, and, and obviously the, the fans in the shelter there, you know, loyal to to, to a man, uh, you know, all behind the, the team every week, and you you kind of hoping that the the Storm uh, sort of hierarchy can. Uh, you know, invest in the team enough to bring in some players to to take Storm back to that sort of playoff chasing squad, and it's going to be difficult. I don't get me wrong, Paul, because Storm kind of run at a, quite a low budget compared to some of the other clubs in the division. So there the, there might be a, a situation where Matt Ginn, you know, wants a player, uh, highlights a player that you know will do a job, but the sums don't stack up, and that must be a difficult situation for everyone at the club because obviously with the Storm Shelter only holding, I think it's two and a half thousand people. You know, they, they can only have a certain amount of crowding, um, you know, to watch matches. So how do they grow that revenue stream? Yeah, it's it's a tough one. We know that only too well being Salford supporters, don't we? You know, you've got to cut your cloth accordingly. I'm pretty sure there's there's players at Salford would like what they they probably can't afford or they can't hold on to. You know, we've seen players come and go, haven't we, over the last few years that you know we'd love to see at the club. So it is difficult, uh, and you've got to uh, you you've got to cut your cloth accordingly. You can't afford to go out and sign players that you you know you've not got the money for and the checkbook for. So um, so yeah, it is difficult. You know, playing in a stadium that's not sort of the Manchester Arena where they used to play, it's um, it's hard to compete at that level, and there's some tough sides in that league that they're playing. So uh, it's going to be another tough year for them. But I think you just got to keep going, and sometimes you've got to go with what you've got and use that team spirit and, and togetherness, and you know, just go go from there. And that's the important thing, obviously, with the new season coming up, positivity in the squad and you know with the with the fans and and, and the, the players will be a massive factor because obviously you look at the teams around them and and you know you're hoping that they can you know nick a few results here and there and and get get back up to a playoff spot because I know Manchester Storm are a playoff team the history of the club you know that they, they are you know, a, a certainly a, a top five, top six club in the division for me. So you're hoping with this change of management, players coming in, um, they can take that next step and get back to where they belong at the, the top half of that table. Yeah, can you tell us about the... Uh, they've lost a bit of, uh, yeah. bit of talent, haven't they, as well? you talented youngster. Yeah, after all that positive chat, Paul, we've lost one. Harry Gulliver um, has moved on. He's gone to the NIHL. Um, basically, has offered been offered a full time um, contract there, and he is one of England's best players. Uh, has to be said, so he's a big loss for Manchester Storm uh, that he's, he's decided to, to depart. On a sort of positive side of that, um, being playing in a top division like that only going to benefit ice hockey. You know the the, the British league, the British, the Great Britain team. So that's a positive we can we can take from it. But as a, a sort of Manchester Storm uh, supporter, yeah, a bit, a bit bit gutted. But you know, there's there's people out there who who could be you know an adequate replacement. And uh, you're hoping uh, that Matt Ginn can can find these replacements, bring them in, and mould them into a, a playoff team. Yeah, let's hope so, Rob. Let's hope so. I mean, they, they deserve a good uh, a good season down there at the Storm Shelter. And let's hope they get off to a good positive start as well. I mean, uh, that, that's what it's all about sometimes. As I, I always compare teams to, to Salford, our, our team, you know, in the rugby league. And uh, and sometimes you, you don't need all the, the resources in the world. You know, it, it, sometimes that team splitting that togetherness and that bond and that backs against the wall sort of mentality can take you a long way. 
And that's that's what it's all about, I suppose. You, you, sometimes it's grit and determination over pounds in your pockets in it, and that, and that's what makes sport what it is. Um, and you kind of hoping that what Manchester Storm can do, um, you know, over the next uh, months coming up to the twenty twenty three season. So, let's talk rugby league now, Paul. Uh, and Salford Devils, uh, they were in action Magic Weekend uh, this weekend up at Newcastle. You went, Salford were defeated 30 points to 18. Talk us through it. Yes, Rob, yeah, it was an enjoyable day. I mean, the Saturday was uh, was some some great games on the Saturday. Wakefield Trinity against Toulouse was, was a real classic. I've not seen the, the highlights yet, but I was listening to a bit of it on the radio yesterday and the Wigan Saints game sounded a cracker. Then obviously Leeds beat Castleford, so we opened up uh, day two against Huddersfield, you know, going up against our old manager, Ian Watson, and quite a few of our old players as well in in, in T.O. Farge, Luke Yates and, um, and Tui Lola here in their uh, starting line. No Will Price for the Huddersfield Giants. They brought Theo back in after his injury. and They got off to a good start. Toby King scored their new, their new signing. And before you knew it, they were uh, in a handsome lead, really, 18 points to nil. Did um, Dion Cross who scored for something? No, was it Dion Cross? I can't remember yeah. who scored now in the first half. Did Dion, Dion Cross score in the first half? Yeah, yeah. Second half, yeah, he got over a try, uh, 18-6, and then Huddersfield scored right on the on the break. They moved the ball from a set scrum, and Jermaine McGoovery went over. So 24-6 down at half time. We really were on the back foot, and I sort of thought to myself, we the, the sun was beating down. It's about 25, 26 degrees, and uh, you know it, it did feel like it was a real uphill battle in the second half, and we could be on the the, the end of a real hiding. But credit to Salford, they came out in the second half. Uh, Brody Croft was absolutely outstanding. He got over for a try. And then Sam Luckley went charging through, uh, backed up Brody Croft and, and scored in front of the Gallagher and you know Newcastle United boyhood supporter. He did his Alan Shearer celebration, it was a fantastic <laughs> touch. And he told us on the Devil in Detail twelve months ago that's the celebration he'd do if he did score. And then twelve months later, he's actually done it. So uh, at that time, it was twenty four eighteen. Mark Sneak hit the goal, and I think there was probably about twenty five minutes to go, maybe longer. Uh, we got a penalty goal. And for me, we should have kicked for goal and made it 24-20. We didn't. We decided to run it. Uh, Huddersfield held the lines and they took the sting out of us there. And they went up the other end and Reese Williams sort of shot out of the line. Bit of a defensive misread. And McGoover went over again to, to take the game away from us at 30 points to 18. But to be honest with you, as I said, the, the, the weather in the second half was so warm. And to keep Huddersfield to six points... In that second half, I thought it was a fantastic effort from the, from the players. And, you know, 30 points to 18 against the side who were probably going to finish in the top four wasn't a, a, a bad sort of performance. I think you know, there was a poor first half from us, but I don't think you could lack the effort. I think the effort was fantastic. And at the end of the day, Huddersfield were, were the better side. But, uh, but yeah, Paul Rowley rude the first half, really. It was, a, it was a slow start from us that cost us the game. What was the atmosphere like? Was there many so fans there? Yeah, there was. The, the Gallagate end was where most of the Salford players, uh, supporters were amassed in the Gallagate end there, along with a lot of Warrington supporters. And uh, I think there was about 25,000, 26,000 there on, on the Sunday. So mm. it was a good atmosphere. You had the whole derby on and Warrington against Catalans after the after the Salford game. And it was it was, it was it was a cracking atmosphere. You know, it always is that, that Newcastle's a great stadium, isn't it? I mean, the pitch looked like a Sabuti old pitch it was absolutely gorgeous and you know sunshine as well and the heat of it all it, it was it was great it really was shirt sleeve proud and that's what that's what the, the magic weekend should be all about I mean since it's, it's, it's sort of moved up there I think there was a few washout ones at, um, at Wales wasn't it when it, the concept first came came about it chucked it down didn't it I think it chucked it down at Edinburgh but since we moved to Manchester and and certainly Newcastle when we've had it there it's been uh, it's been glorious the weather so yeah a great day and I think we've seen 
six good matches, really. I mean, I've, I've caught a few of the, the games that were on the Sunday. The whole derby was a decent game as well. So, um, so yeah, I think that overall the weekend was a success. Disappointing so for didn't get a result, but, you know, I came home with, um, with a few positives from the game, really. Yeah. The... Oh, the bad side of the game, obviously, apart from getting beat, it uh, was Tyra Dupree going off injured um, at Magic. Uh, early suggestions that his, his season is over. That'll be a blow uh, for Salford. Yeah, he looked in a bad way. Two people, two of the staff helped him off the pitch and that was just the start of the second half. That, so it was just the start of the second half we didn't need. Um, I, I noticed when I was hanging about at the end of the game to, to speak to a few of the players, Harvey Levette came out with like a leg, one of those black, black leg braces on um, and his leg was all strapped up so he doesn't look like he's going to play next weekend unless he makes some sort of marvellous recovery. Um, so I don't know what the, the problem was there, some sort of leg injury. Um, spoke to Callum Watkins. Callum had a massive strapping on his knee. And I sort of said to Callum, are you all right? Are going to play next week? And he said, yeah, it's nothing to worry about. This is just superficial. I've got no breaks or anything. I'll be playing next week. So I don't think that looks as bad as it was, but he's wrapped up like a like someone out of an Egyptian film there, you know, with all that round his leg, all this uh, sort of <laughs> wrapping like a mummy. But uh, but no, other than that, I think we came out of it more or less unscathed, really. Jack Armour took a bit of a knock around the head and Elijah Taylor came out really battered and bruised at the end. But I think Elijah's like that every week, isn't he? So, you know, it's... it's, it's Probably a concern with um, Harvey Levett and, and Tyler Dupree because they're two forwards, aren't they? And, and we're a bit light on forwards at the moment. We've, you know, Green was out long term. Shane Wright, I'm hoping he's going to be back soon. Uh, we've got King Bunyayoar out as well, so we're a bit light in the pack, aren't we? So, uh, so to lose two more would be a, be a big blow. Yeah, talking about uh, Callum Watkins, you spoke to him and Sam Looker, like you said before, after the game, this is what I had to say. Right, Callum Watkins joins me. A, a tough game for you today. A massive effort, not the result you wanted, though. No, no, it wasn't. Uh, a bit of first half, pretty much showed how, how, how well we played there. So it wasn't really good enough. Big guy defence you know, let, let ourselves down in the, in the first half. And, uh, they took full advantage. They're a good team, man. Um, but we, we showed our great determination to get back in it. Well, again, we, you know, we left ourselves a bit too much to do at times, and um, ultimately they they executed the plays when when they needed to. And um, our, ourselves, we just I just think we were a bit flat on both sides of the game. Massive effort in that second half to keep them out to six points. And that what was it like on the pitch? How warm was it down there? Yeah, yeah, it was very warm. You know, the conditions were, were pretty tough, but you know that's for both teams. Both teams get that get that situation. So, you know, second half we worked really hard to get back in back into the game and. Could have um, gone on to win the game, but we just we just didn't execute enough um, consistently, um, and ultimately they, they took advantage when we, we we made a couple of errors and a couple of penalties we gave away. They took advantage of that. Are you good to go next week? I just panicked when I saw you then because you've got a big strap on your knee. No, there, but I'm going to be all right. I'm next good. Week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just um, just the burst on top of my knee. There's nothing structurally wrong with my knee. It's pretty it's, it's pretty good actually. You know, uh, felt like I did a little bit better in the second half. Get get going a little bit and. Um, yeah, just got to rest it. And, uh, you know, you're having life tough at the moment. Since you've moved to the back row, it's a lot tougher, isn't it? You, yeah. you know, you finally, but you're doing well there. You're enjoying it. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, it's good. Uh, no disappointing today. You know, I think a couple of our individuals, including myself, were, were disappointed how I played today. So, um, you know, I've got to look in the mirror and uh, get myself back into training, making sure I prepare the best I can, keep keep doing what I'm doing, and things will turn around. It's just uh, one of those games where 
things didn't come off, you know, had a couple of opportunities to put, put a couple of tries in for us, but um, the pass either went behind or, or just didn't get the right catch at the, at the right time. So one of those things, we have to move on and, um, you know, we've still got that resilience and determination to get ourselves back into it. So got a great character on our team. So, you know, hopefully everybody can stick by us and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll turn it around. Thanks very much for speaking to us today. Callum, all the best. And all the best, mate. Cheers. I didn't swear, Delighted to say Sam Luckley joined with Salford beaten today. Uh, very <clears> tough game, but on a positive note, a lot of hard work and you got a try as well, mate. You must be pleased with that. Yeah, it's a um, mixed bag of emotions, really. Happy I got a try and very sentimental, but also we want to get the win. Um, I thought the first half we let ourselves down a little bit. Um, start the second half, we, we pulled ourselves back in and we started to turn the tide. Um, but in the end, just, just not enough. Um, everyone's disappointed, I think, but yeah. Tough day all in all, I mean you've had to travel up in a day, three hours on a bus, not the ideal preparation for the game, poor start to the game, but I think, look at the heat out there today, to concede six points in 40 minutes in the second half, how tough was that? Yeah, it was, I it was in Benidorm, um, it was, it was red hot, but uh, still, you can't really use them excuses, you could say all oh, the travel and all that sort of stuff, but again, I just don't think we were good enough on the day. Um, but we'll have learned, won't we? We'll, uh, we'll get back in and we'll, we'll have a look at the game and we'll always fix up and, you know, it's part of the journey. We're getting better every week and I think the fans and I can see that. Um, but I kind of doubt the uh, the work rate and the effort that we put in every week. Everyone works our socks off, so it's coming together. It's coming together. I think 24-6 down at half-time, we could have feared a, a big hide in there, but to come back in that second half, on a personal note as well, what was it like there to, to score that try? Did, did it seem in slow motion? Did it just seem to open up for you? <laughs> I was panicking, tell you, when I was getting the try line. Everyone started closing in, but I just thought, get your head doing and run. Um, how, how old we are how holding that ball? How hard we holding that ball? Was it like just as you could? Anyone was getting that ball off. <laughs> um, Jack was saying he tried to celebrate with us. I just pushed them off and just <laughs> Everyone's been saying this to do it all week. So uh, I think I kicked myself. I didn't do it. But, I was yeah. jumping around in the press box. Everyone looking at me. I was stupid. I was like, really <laughs> to get to the line. Don't drop the ball. But oh, you know, a really honestly, big effort today. So has, really big effort. You've got Catalan Dragons coming up next week. Doesn't yeah. get any easier for you. A few knocks today. How do, you, how do you go next week now? Is it back into training and just taking things easy as well? Pretty much, that's it. We'll, we'll assess the game, we'll see how all the bodies are and everything like that. And I think the positive is we're at home, aren't we, next yep. week? So they're coming to us and, you know, we start to play well every time we're at home now. And uh, How are you feeling personally? No knocks or bumps today? You've got big No, I, other than my feet are into shreds, like, but other than that, I'm, I'm absolutely sound. So I'll be uh, round to go next week. Well, you enjoy tonight, mate. You deserve it. Well, well done, done today and unlucky on the result. So, obviously, Sam luckily chuffed a bit about scoring uh, at uh, St. James's Park. Yeah, it was a bit of a bittersweet afternoon for him, really, because you could see the disappointment on his face when we were talking to him. He, he wanted to sort of celebrate the try, but, you know, as humble as Sam is, he, he didn't really because he, he, he looks at the bigger picture and he wanted to win the game. So, uh, so it's great for him to, to, to score there. I mean, it's his first try for Salford. You know, in, he's been at Salford two years, and that's his, his first try. So, so yeah, great for him to, to do it in, in in sort of that that arena and that ground. But just a shame we couldn't get the result. But I thought Sam was good today. I thought he played really well. Sorry, on Sunday we were recording this on Sunday, aren't we? I thought he was good. I thought he worked really hard, and and hopefully he gets signed up for next season because I don't know whether his contract sorted yet. Last time we, we mentioned it to him, it wasn't. So uh, he's a very hard working and humble lad, and I'd like to see him stay at Salford. But uh, Callum as well. You know, he's playing really well for Salford and, you know, his move into the pack has, has been a real new lease of life for him. And he was obviously disappointed as well. He's a winner, he's Callum Watkins. And uh, I think the players are looking to bounce back against Catalan next week. That's going to be another tough game, but uh, they've still got a few players suspended. They've got a big defeat against Warrington at the weekend. That's a game Salford could target next Sunday. 
Yeah, looking obviously at the league table, Salford in eighth at the moment, four points off the top, five points off the bottom. So it's a weird situation where Salford are kind of in the mix for both. Yeah, yeah, we were discussing this on the way home. And, um, you know, it's, it's a vital, I think we've got two vital matches now. We've got Callum next week and Toulouse away the week after. If we're to lose both the games, and, and Toulouse pick up two wins. They've got obviously one of them would be against us. They play Leeds, I think, at home next week. So they've got Leeds and Salford as their two home games. If they were to win those two, they're right behind us then. So I think for us, I don't think we need many war wins to be safe, but we just need to make sure we get a couple. But we've got quite a run of fixtures now where if you were to go on a bad run and lose four or five games on the bounce, you would get sucked back into that. So I think for Paul Rowley and his team, it's just about taking each game as it comes and just taking the two points when we can. Um, otherwise you will get dragged back into that so I'm only panicking at the moment Toulouse have got an awful lot of work to do they've got to be consistent and win matches which is something they've not done this season but they have done over the last couple of weeks so it's going to make it exciting if you look at the table at the moment you've got a top sort of four of, of Catalan, Saints, Wigan and um, Huddersfield who look probably nailed on for the top four the rest of the teams are probably going for the playoffs and looking behind them at relegation as well so, uh, I don't know, obviously, Hull Castle are probably just, just at two points too far away now. But, you know, down the bottom there, I mean, you've only got to lose a couple of games and, and things change right round again. So, it's been an exciting season. It really has. But there's not a lot to choose between all the teams really this season. And if I had to, to put money on somebody for the grand final, you'd probably save money to be St. Helens. But I think there's going to be still a lot of twists and turns between now and the end of the season. Mm. Well, that's the beauty of rugby league and Super League, isn't it? That teams can beat each other. That's what we want. Obviously, with Salford being in the mix, you'd rather... <laughs> be sort of a little bit out of it looking back and enjoying the day but it's uh, it's what rugby league is it's it's cutthroat beat other teams uh, and you know two three weeks ago Paul we were in a relegation uh, four pointer against Wakefield and now we're eighth yeah it's funny yeah and then last weekend we, we beat Warrington and everything in the garden was rolls and we're all going to get to the grand final and then this week you get beat and everybody starts talking about to lose again so it really is it's a roller coaster. It's been a roller coaster season, and it's it's difficult to, to to sort of get any sort of consistency because a lot of the teams are are, are like each other. The, a lot of the teams play to the same structure. A lot of teams are, are very similar in the, the way they set up and and they're coached a, a very similar way. So and, and they're very even. I think there's a lot of even teams in there. So injuries play a, a vital part, don't they, in the season? If if you're a small squad like Salford and you do pick up injuries, then you are. You are behind the eight ball a bit, and I think Hull have been that recently. If you look at Hull, I think they've signed three or four players on loan the last couple of weeks because they're down to the bare bones of the squad. So, um, so yeah, that that's how it's going. Uh, you look at Hull KR, how they've dropped off. They they've um, really slid down the table. Toulouse have picked a few wins up. Wakefield did a bit in and out. Uh, so it, it is. It Casford Tigers are another side. They beat Huddersfield last weekend, and then were beaten by Leeds this weekend. So they're very similar to us. So, yeah, it's going to be an exciting end to the season. And there's there's some big games left for Salford. You know, we've got some massive games left. We've got to go to Toulouse. We've got to go to Catalan. We've got two trips to France there. I think we've got Leeds away. Um, who else have we got to go away from home? I know we've got Saints at home, Warrington at home, Huddersfield at home, Hull at home, Castleway is another one. So there's no easy fixtures in there. And, you know, this is me being very, very cautious now. You, you know, you could look at that and think, blimey, are we going to get another win from those games? So it'd be, I don't know, it'd be a, be 
be a bit of a downer to say we're going to get sucked back into that relegation, but we've just got to keep taking a game as it comes and just knocking the wins off, really, and just stay away from those sides around us. I'm confident we will do. You know, we showed that in the Warrington and the Wakefield game, and Catalan this week coming up now is a big game for us, but it's a game we can take, it's a game we can win. They've got injuries, they've got suspensions, and um, they look very vulnerable against Warrington. And I think if you, you raise your game, they're a totally different side away from home as they are in, in Perpignan, so that's a game we've got to target on Sunday. Yeah, also performing at the uh, Magic Weekend was our Learned Disability Rugby League team. Um, you know, put on a good show up there in Newcastle. Paul, you know, lots of great tries, lots of great rugby. Uh, you know, really good team that helps the people in the community uh, sort of join Sofa the Devils family and embrace rugby league. Yeah, I think everybody involved had a fantastic weekend. Um, they, they all travelled up together on the on the coach, didn't they? And uh, and they they love that. They they have a great time doing that. And I, I saw them all warming up, ready to come on in the. Um, I think it was like the Jackie Milburn stand on the stand where the coaches go. They were all waiting at the gate to go out just as I was coming in. I was dying to go and speak to some of them, but they were that keyed up for the game and that fo- look that focus. I don't want to go and disturb them, so they were just going out then getting ready. I think there was a team from Featherstone there, a team from Warrington, and they were all absolutely buzzing and having a whale of a time. So. Great. That is a great side of rugby league that in the community that you know does such a good job, and everybody really enjoys it. And that's what sport is all about. Yeah. Let's talk about Salford Devils ladies now. They are in the League Cup final after beating Dewsbury Moor in the semi-final, eighteen. Eight, Paul, fantastic result for Chris Bates' ladies. Uh, lots of pressure on them because obviously they've had a great season, the first season as Sulphur Red Devils. Uh, there was a sort of an air of expectation, it has to be said, because obviously they are top of the league uh, in their division. So to come away with a 18-8 win uh, in the warm conditions that we all experience Sunday it is a fantastic result. Oh, I think the conditions on Sunday, I mean, I said to my dad on the way home, it was too hot. It was too hot for rugby league. That, to me, that's why rugby league sometimes, it shouldn't be a summer sport because I wouldn't like to play rugby league in that sort of weather. So the, the ladies deserve all the credit in the world because let's have it right, they're not full-time athletes like the like the you know the Super League players are. So to, uh, to, to do that, I think it's absolutely outstanding. And to limit a side to just eight points as well in stifling, conditions I mean you've only got to look at some of the scores from the professional game professional well the men's game anyway that I've seen from the weekend and there's some massive scores because of the heat because because you can't physically tackle in that sort of weather so to keep aside to eight points I think the ladies deserve an awful lot of credit for that just shows that the fighting spirit and the character they've got the willingness to win to get to that final um, I think they've been absolutely marvellous this season that was a tricky away a, a tricky tie that um, against Dewsbury and, uh, and they've come through it and, and they thoroughly deserve to be in that final Yeah, tries from Steph Gray, uh, Lucy McKeown Alex Simpson you know, three Alex Simpson's was like a 100 metre dash as well can't be forgot her name because uh, she did one of the best tries of the game Paul to be fair but uh, you know, three top players there uh, kind of doing the magic for Silver Red Devils Yeah, certainly, certainly and, uh, and all three of them have become you know, we're prolific this season, haven't they? We, we we sort of mention them every week and the points come from all over the place, don't they? The ladies' team, I think they all chip in, don't they? And they all do the job. Um, but it's a great story. You know, your, your first season, you know, competing as as a ladies' outfit and, and you're in a final. I think that's that's credit to the coaching staff, credit to all the players, credit to everybody involved to, to get there. And now let's hope they can just go one, one further and, and lift the trophy because I think it'd be great. 
It really would. And, um, you know, don't think they've had loads and loads of press coverage. I mean, I know we try and give them a, a good shout-out, but I think the rest of the rugby league should take note now. I think they've been absolutely outstanding there, and it'd be nice for them to, to get a mention in some of the, the newspapers this week. Yeah, I spoke to Chris Bates uh, and Captain Louise Fellingham uh, after the game, this is what I had to say. We're joined by victorious coach Chris Bates. Congratulations on reaching the League Cup final with the Salford Red Devils. How do you feel? Yeah, absolutely buzzing. I, I don't know how to put that into words, really. Um, they, they had to do it really tough for a while out there, the girls. It was baking hot and, um, and they worked really hard to play a brand of rugby that we're proud of, that we've not gone away from and that was good enough today to get us a result. So roll on the 31st. Yeah, 18-8 today. Obviously started quite slow. They scored first. Uh, what was your sort of thought process on that? Obviously, we, was there a bit of panic setting in or do you think, you know, we can bounce back here? Yeah, it's easy to say kind of when the final whistle's gone, but genuinely we were quite cool, calm and collected about it, so we didn't complete our first three sets. Um, they scored early off some, some par D, but both of those things are fixable. So the, the, the sets that we didn't complete came from us trying to play in the right areas of the park, and that's fine. Uh, they just happened to go to floor, but they're not going to do that all game, so we knew that that would come eventually. Um, and then ultimately we don't miss tackles like that very often, so again, nothing really to fix. Just needed to kind of stick at it and believe that we're the better team and, and back to show it. Yeah, 20 minutes gone. Big turning point for me. Tanzin Kokor made a break gave it to Steph Gray went over in corner great try changed momentum of the game yeah but didn't do anything different to what they'd done in the kind of first three errors so just spotted a weakness in their up in the defensive line and, and played at it that time it came off it was it, it was always going to we were saying that on the sideline I promise <laughs> and then obviously Salford scored again a couple of minutes later Alex Simpson 80 meter, 80 meter effort going round the defence and going over in the corner fantastic try sort of cack-hammed everyone down really in that situation yeah, it definitely did, and, and she's brilliant, Alex, and, and correct to Lucy for setting it up, so they just played off a scrum, just spot, again spotted a little gap and backed themselves to do it, even though we're in our own 20, it, it's exactly how we asked them to play. Yeah, and then second half game, moment of magic from Lucy, McKeown, 80 metre effort, crowd were on the feet, and you're, you're one foot in the semi-final at that point. Yeah, that's the one, and then it becomes about managing the game out, doesn't it, in the heat, and continuing to roll our forwards on and off, and, and allow them to keep their kind of work rate up, and keep those standards that we kind of hold so dear up. Um, and yeah, we just had to manage it out from there, and we did. Who stood out for you today? Um, sorry, player of the match was lobby for us today. Um, I thought she led us really well. Um, that 80 metre effort from Lucy that we just spoke about came from Lobby reacting to a ball bounce overhead, if you remember. And then she kind of turned head up. There's there's a kind of chink in their armour, and, and then Lucy punches a fantastic line, and she can't not give it a. Um, I thought Lobby was brilliant all game for us. I thought Darcy, Darcy was fantastic going forwards. Um, I thought Meg was, was unbelievable again, a, a work rate and a working contact. It just goes unnoticed. Um, I think, you know, YPS again did good stuff coming off the bench. Our second rows in Vic and Kayleigh were, were brilliant and did long minutes out there as well. And um, yeah, I thought, I thought across the park in this heat, I thought they were fantastic. Yeah, you talk about playing what you see, and that's what you kind of did that, in that second half. Even though what, even though us in the crowd were a little bit nervous, because obviously in this heat you're thinking, stick up, we jump off, five drives and a kick. But your team don't have that in their day and age, do you? No, but... You know, we back ourselves to play in those situations and, and if the game had been a bit different, we might well have done that. Um, but it wasn't a forwards battle and we felt like we were fitter than them. So we want to move them, we want to test them and we want to set our, our faster players running when we can. And, and ultimately that one is the game. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily change it. If we play a different side, then that might might require a different kind of style of game. Yeah, or I'll say James in the final. Off this, you've got fancy chances. <laughs> I've said all season that our backers, if we turn up and we represent ourselves and this badge well, then our backers to get a result there. Um, made tougher by the fact that it's at their place somehow. It's a final and a neutral ground at their home ground. Um, 
so we'll kind of see what comes but we'll prepare right for it and and yeah we'll see what comes brilliant congratulations chris and uh, we'll see you next week so we're joined by player of the match louise fellenham congratulations on reaching the league cup final we saw for a devils how'd you feel <laughs> to be honest it's really hard to put into words um back last november did i think we'd be in a cup final this first season absolutely not but i think the progress that we've made it, like we deserve it we deserve to be there and today was hard really hard it was very very hot um, but it's just another thing that we need to overcome as a team and I think we did a really good job today. Yeah, 18-8, the full-time score. Uh, try from Alex Simpson, 80-metre effort and you got Lucy McKeon going 100 metres in, in the second half. You know, two sensational tries which uh, swung the contest our way. Yeah, fantastic. Look, we know what both of those, those two give us. Um, if we give them the right type of ball, they'll do that all day. So, um, you know, you need big players like that to step up in a game like this and they did. Yeah, obviously in these conditions, 90 degree heat, you and Demi Jones pulling the strings. Uh, so what was it like, obviously, on, on, on the field, in battle, you know, in these hot conditions? Uh, it, it was unbearable at times, to be honest. It just didn't feel like the, the heat was ever going to let up. Like, not a cloud in the sky, which is lovely for everyone down here. Yeah. But obviously when you're playing, it, it is really difficult. And I think it's just about managing that, um, you know, managing the forward pack, getting them to, to do the hard stuff, but then giving them a bit of a break. And I think we did it really well. I think we did a quite a professional job today. You know, it was, I don't think it was ever going to be a high scoring game with the weather the way it is, but I think I think we did a good job. Yeah, and obviously we talked on Wednesday about your predictions. Is it, is it Mystic Meg or Septic Peg today? I got what I, I missed one try score, but got the rest. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. And obviously, looking forward, we've got Oral in, in the final couple of weeks' time. Obviously, you're going to enjoy tonight, but you've got to be thinking towards that, haven't you? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, we, me and you have had the conversation. It's, it is one game at a time for us. So we've got two games in between now and then, and, and now our focus will be on those. But obviously, we will enjoy today. Um, you know, you can't not. Um, I think... Oral are a bit of an unknown to us. We haven't obviously seen them and we haven't played against them yet. So at least with these guys today, we knew what they were going to bring. We knew what they were going to bring and it was just about being better on the day. But And Oral at their home ground. So, you know, anything can happen. But I think if we play the way we can play and on our best, on our best day, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll put a good show on. Brilliant. Congratulations today and uh, I'll see you next week. So Chris Bates and uh, Louise, you know, you know, so happy with with the result. Obviously, first fi first semi final for Salford Devils. They will face Oral Saint James at Oral Saint James on the thirty first of July. So it's going to be a tough encounter that because obviously you know Oral Saint James are you know a, a premier uh, amateur rugby league club. So you know to go to there and and get a result will be a big test for for Chris Bates and his ladies. It will be, yeah, but. You know, Chris is he's a calm person, isn't he? He gets the best out of his side. There's no doubt about that. I think his players, his players trust him and they believe in him, don't they? Um, every time you've spoken to him and we've spoken to him on the podcast, he he's a very knowledgeable guy and, um, and he'll have his, his side fired up for that. You know, Louise Fellingham as well. I think she's she's a great leader. I think a lot of the ladies, the younger ladies, really look up to Louise, don't they? So uh, she's doing a great job as well. And, and yeah, they've got a really good system going there. There's no doubt about that. The team spirit's absolutely fantastic. And, you know, that side can really go places and it, and it has done. It's, it's been an exciting journey, an exciting story. Make a good film as well, wouldn't it, this season? So um, I think they've done a great job. I just hope they can they can get that result now and do themselves proud. I think win, lose, lose or draw in that final, they do themselves proud. But obviously, once you get to a final, you do want to take that trophy. So, uh, so yeah, we'll all be rooting for them on the 31st.
in this film, Paul, who's playing us, Dan DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could be, could it? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, so Salford ladies, they are in action this week and at the stadium. They play Hulkingston Rovers uh, before the main game. So if you're planning to go down to watch uh, the men in action, uh, get down and watch the ladies from 12.30, Paul, because I'm sure you'll be entertained. That's my plan, yeah. Me and uh, my daughter Imogen are going down earlier this week. Hopefully, all things being well and uh, and catching two games. But it looks like the weather's going to be another scorcher again. So, uh, really looking forward to that. It should be it should be a cracking day. We've got a big game against Catalan and the ladies against Hull KR. And um, I know there's an awful lot of school children going as well. Hopefully, youngsters going. So uh, it'd be great to get a massive crowd on, on Sunday. And that, but I'm sure there'll be two excellent games. Great atmosphere as well. Carnival atmosphere in the sunshine at the AJ Bell Stadium. Uh, is it still called the AJ Bell Stadium, by the way? It's still called the AJ Bell Stadium. Yeah, I, I thought I, I, I panicked because I've not been saying it recently because I didn't know whether it was because I know <laughs> say a partnership with AJ Bell was coming to an end, so I didn't know whether it was still called that. But but yeah, I'm sure it's going to be a great day. And uh, yeah, looking forward to it. I can't wait. Yep. Let's talk about Swinton Lions now. And one of their players, Liam Forsyth, uh, has left the club. Um, obviously, had a bit of a checkered career through with injuries, Paul. And, and now, obviously, sort of when it's, with a minute to go, opportunity for Swinton and him to move on. Yeah, that's right. It'd be a shame as well. He's uh, He's been a decent player over the years, hasn't he, Leo? I think he was a, a Wigan lad, wasn't he, originally, and uh, went to Swinton and scored a few points for them as well. But, you know, sometimes injuries can, can blight a career, can't they? So, uh, so yeah, let's hope, uh, you know, wish him best for his future or whatever he decides to do. Yeah, 45 seconds to go, Paul. They face the Hurricanes at home at Haywood Road. Hopefully, uh, win there uh, to boost their promotion chances. Yeah, after the bye last week and they didn't play Swinton, did they? So they'll be looking forward to, to getting back up there. I know Rochdale Hornets had a good win at the weekend, just gone against Oldham. So they've, they've crept back up there. Keith Lacoo's game was postponed against uh, London Scholars. So, yes, Swinton need to get back on that, that winning run and you know, to keep chasing that promotion. Because that's what it's all about. Obviously, you know, they need to, to, to push on uh, and get back into the Championship. Obviously, relegated last season. Um, but hopefully, they could pick a few wins together, get into a, a playoff spot uh, and test themselves against the rest of the players in that division. So, big thanks for tuning in to this week's Sports Zone. I'm Rob Parkinson, and we'll see you next week for more Salford Sporting Chat. 